Hasn't it been a wonderful night in the Lord? Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you for this day. Thank you for the wonderful time of worship. Lord, I pray that you open our hearts at this time to the reading of your word. Bless the reading of your word tonight. Bless the preaching of your word. Help me, Lord, to recall everything I studied. And I pray, Lord, that to you would be the honor and glory of this sermon and this message. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Genesis chapter 11. Genesis chapter 11. I want to uh, continue tonight the series that we started last Sunday night on the nation of Israel. And we talked about the promise that was given to the nation of Israel. And the promise that the Lord gave the nation of Israel involved the place, involved the people, and involved the, the presence of Israel. And I want you to understand that the promise that God gave was not just over the people, but it was a piece of property. It was a place. And the promise that he gave of this place is still intact today. God is not slack concerning his promises. And I want you to know, though Israel has failed at times to keep her promises, God has never failed. And I want you to know that he promised that people a place and God has preserved this place over thousands of years, and even through their denial, and even through their disobedience, God has preserved this place for His people. And I'm glad today that He has promised His people a special place. And I'm glad that when He has promised His people this place, that He is not slack concerning His promises, and that He will give His people the very place that He promised them. I want to look and begin tonight in Genesis chapter 11 and verse 31. And Terah took Abram his son and Lot the son of Haran, his son's son, and Sarah his daughter-in-law, and his son Abram's wife, and they went forth with them from the Ur of the Chaldees to go into the land of Canaan. And they came into Haran and dwelt there. If you go over in chapter 12, verse 1, Now the Lord had said unto Abram, Get thee out of thy country, from thy kindred, and from thy father's house, unto a land that I will show thee. And so the promise that he gave him was, Leave this land, the earth of the Chaldees, and I want you to go into a promised place. He's simply saying, I have picked out a piece of property that I want for my people. Now, I have some maps up here, and you can go to the first map. And this map here kind of outlines the journey uh, of Abraham. And I don't have one of them red dots, but i got a finger. Uh, Abraham was in the Ur of the Chaldees. This is modern-day Iraq. And when the Lord called him out, he journeyed up the Euphrates River to go over to this place right here, which is modern-day Israel, which was known as the Land of Canaan. And so Abram got all of, it, all of the company, all of his family, all of the possessions, everything that he owned, everything that he had, and he traveled up the Euphrates River, and he came down into the Canaan land. And he came to this land because that's the land that God told him to go to. People say, well, why did Abram claim that land? Abram didn't claim that land. God claimed that land for Abraham. God gave that land to Abraham and to his descendants. The fight and the argument today and why we hear 
of all of the fighting in the Middle East is because they're fighting over whose land it is. It belonged to Abraham. And the reason it belonged to Abraham is because God gave it to Abraham. And you say, well, why did God, why can God give that to Abraham? Because God created it. And God can do what He wants to do. And He didn't give it to the Arabs. He didn't give it to the Palestinians. He gave it to Abraham. And that promise that He gave to Abraham went down through Isaac and down through Jacob. And so we see the journey that He made to go possess the land that God called Him to possess. Now look in Genesis chapter 15 in verse 18. And so now He's fixing to lay out the borders of the land that He's fixing to give Him. In the same day, the Lord made a covenant with Abram, saying, Unto thy seed have I given this land from the river of Egypt unto the great river, the river Euphrates. If we can look at the next map. And so He told Abraham, He said, I'm going to give you the land, and the land is this, from the river of Egypt all the way over to the river Euphrates. And so, as we mentioned, this is the river Euphrates. This is modern-day Iraq. This is modern-day Lebanon. And all the land that he gave Abram was over to the Euphrates River. Most of the land that he gave him that joined the Euphrates River was up north. It was up north, and we're fixing to read that in a minute. And But the land that he gave on that side going west was all the way to the Euphrates River. If you know in your mind a map of the modern-day Israel, their land does not go that far because they have not possessed that much yet. But that day's coming, and we're going to read about that too. And so you can go to the next slide. The other place is uh, to the river of Egypt. Now, there's argument about what the Lord is talking about. Some believe, if you see this Wadi El Arish, uh, they believe, and that's about where the border of Israel is today, but some believe it goes all the way over to the Nile River. And I'm going to tell you why there's discussion on where the eastern border is, is because in the Hebrew, and this is the description God gave, He said, from the river of Egypt. And that's what the Lord said. Well, some took that, and they took the Hebrew of that, and some look at the river in the Hebrew, and it means continuous flowing body of water. But in some places, when they translated it, they got the brook of Egypt. And the brook of Egypt would go and would be the wadi of El Arish. A wadi is a channel or a reservoir of water, or or excuse me, uh, a ravine of water that would drain down and most of the time didn't have water until the rainy season. And so this would be the brook of Egypt And this would be the river, a flowing, continuous body of water. So a lot of the Jews, some believe it goes to the Wadi of El Arish, and some believe that it goes to the the great river uh, there, the Nile, in Egypt. And so there is discussion about that, but that is what God laid out. And He said, Abraham, this is the land that I give you. Now, I'm going to need some help tonight. And I'm going to ask Brother Carl, if you don't mind, look in Second uh, Samuel chapter 8 and verse 3. Miss V, if you would, look in First Kings chapter 4 and verse 24. 1 Kings chapter 4 and verse 24. Uh, Brother Russell, if you would, look in Amos 9 and 11. 
Amos 9 and 11. And I want us to, to hear these verses, and I want us to see uh, how the land was possessed. And not all the time while Israel was in the nation of Israel have they possessed all of the land that God had given them. But I want you to listen. Uh, Brother Carl, go ahead and read that there. Second Samuel 8 and 3. Eight, chapter 8, verse 3. David went to defeat the land all the way to recover his border at the river Euphrates. And you see, when David got in rain, they did not have that land all the way over to the land of Euphrates. Read that next verse there, Miss V. Okay. The verse he read was the reign of David. The verse he read was the reign of Solomon. During the reign of David and Solomon is the only time that Israel possessed all of the land that God had desired for Israel to have. That is the only time that Israel possessed everything that God desired for them. Now, there was a town, uh, what's the first town you mentioned? Tifsa. Tifsa is a town... Uh, that was on the Euphrates River and is up north. And that was the border. What was the other town? Aza. It's also a proper pronounce is Aza. And we know it as Gaza, the Gaza Strip, which is over here, which borders down to the water here. And so y'all, y'all heard of the Gaza Strip before, hey? It's very, uh, very chaotic. And this is the land that borders Egypt down here. So from this land all the way up here to the river Euphrates, is the land that David and Solomon got to reign over. And that is the very land that he gave Abraham. Now look in, uh, who had Amos? 9-11. Okay. I will rebuild and reestablish the kingdom as the days of old. In, in whose reign? The reign of David. God said, I will bring about and reestablish the nation of Israel, and I will reestablish the borders of Israel to the day of David. Now, after Solomon, the borders of Israel began to shrink. And they began to shrink down till they literally shrunk down to nothing. And Israel lost their land for 2,000 years. And then we know in the 40s, the Israel reestablished as a country, and they began to bloom again. And every day they're possessing land. Every day, that's why they're fighting like crazy over there. That's why they're warring every single day, because they're trying to reestablish the land that God gave them. Let me tell you something. This land is not the Palestinians' land. It's not the Arabs' land. It is the nation of Israel. This land up here that they can't get is Lebanon. This land over here they cannot get is modern-day Syria. This land belongs to the Jews. And when the Lord returns and reestablishes His kingdom, I want you to know the borders will be back to what God gave Abraham in the beginning. Because our God is a covenant-keeping God. 
Aren't you glad to know that tonight? Notice the, the next slide. Look in Ezekiel 5, 5, or you can read it there. Let's just read it there. Thus saith the Lord God, This is Jerusalem. I have set it in the midst of the nations and countries that are round about her. Now I want us to think about Israel, and I want to think about specifically the city of Jerusalem in its location. Uh, Brother Chuck, you got a Bible. Second Chronicles six six. Second Chronicles six six. You got a Bible, Brother Trey? Uh, well, don't smile at me. I'm sorry. Zechariah eight twenty through twenty two. The Lord put this piece of property in the center of the earth. Now I want you to go to the next slide. And he said, I've set the people and the nations in the midst. That means I have put Jerusalem in the midst. I want you to know that on the map, in the midst, in the center of the map, is right there. And right there is where the nation of Israel is. When you read in the Bible, the kings of the east, it always means east of Israel. When you read of something and they talk about north, south, east, west, it's always north, south, east, west of Jerusalem. And Jerusalem is the centerpiece. Israel is the centerpiece of the world. I want you to know that the whole world revolves around Israel. When it says the kings of the east are coming, it's the nations of the east of Israel, which is China, which is India, which if you go north some is Russia. We can see those kings gathering up today, can't we? coming to war for the battle of Armageddon over here in the nation of Israel. Now who, brother, brother Chuck, go ahead. God chose Jerusalem as a location and a city to be above any other city in the world. I want you to know these feet have touched the land and the city of the, nation, of the city of Jerusalem. And I want you to know it is a special place because God put His name there. Go ahead, Brother Trey. Yes, sir. So it is prophesied that people will come from all around the world to go to the city of Jerusalem. May I tell you that prophecy is being fulfilled. Re Jerusalem is the religion capital of the world. And this city is the focal point because it is literally the Holy Land. And this is the focus of all attention is because all religions want the land. The Christians want the land. Islam wants the land. The Judaism, the Jewish religion, they want the land. Armenianism, all of the Orthodox churches. When you go to Israel, religion is crammed down your throat. And you see every flavor and every strain of religion that there is. Because Jerusalem is the centerpiece. 
And God prophesied that people would pour into this town seeking and praying for, uh, to Him. And then now we have millions upon millions of people every year that flock to this little bitty piece of property and to go to the Wailing Wall and to go to all these special places to pray. Scripture has been fulfilled. Jerusalem is the centerpiece of the world. You say, why is Jerusalem the centerpiece of the world? Jesus gave us His Son through a little town called Bethlehem. Any town in Israel that starts with the letters B-E-T is an old Canaanite town. And this Canaanite town, B-E-T simply means the house of. And they would name these towns after false gods. And they came to the town of Bethlehem and they called it the house of the God of Lahem, which is simply the God of bread and water. And so it was prophesied in the Old Testament the Savior would come through Bethlehem because it simply means bread. It simply means life. The bread of life was given to humanity through the city of Bethlehem. And then in the city of Jerusalem, the place that God put His name there, that is the place that His Lamb without spot and without blemish would be sacrificed on that holy place, the place that His presence dwelled, the place that God chose to put His name there, Jesus went to Jerusalem, He died in Jerusalem, He was crucified in Jerusalem, He rose again in Jerusalem, He was seen for 40 days in Jerusalem, He ascended from the Mount of Olives in Jerusalem, and bless God, one day when He comes back, He's coming back to Jerusalem. He's coming back to the Mount of Olives. Yes, the first time He's coming, He's coming in the clouds. The second time He's coming, He's going to touch foot on the Mount of Olives. You say, why is that a special place? Because that's where my Jesus left, and that's where He's coming back to. And if it's good enough for Him, it's good enough for me. Amen? That's why the city of Jerusalem is an awesome place, because it is the centerpiece of the work of Jesus Christ right there in the city of Jerusalem. Hey, when I went to Jerusalem 5.30 in the morning, the Muslims had their cry. They had that call to prayer. The saddest sound I've ever heard over the city of Jerusalem. How sad to have that mess played in that city. But there's coming a day that He's coming back. And He's going to restore that city to what He originally attended for Him. What's, what's the next slide? Joshua 13, 1, 2. Now Joshua was old and stricken in years, and the Lord said unto him, Thou art old, stricken in years, and there remaineth yet very much land to be possessed. This is the land that yet remaineth. Go to the next slide. This is the twelve tribes of the nation of Israel. Uh, the twelve tribes of the nation of Israel. Lacey, you mind looking in Genesis 35? Genesis 35, verse 9 through 12. We see that this is the tribes of Israel, and we see that the tribes come over here to the Euphrates River. These are the twelve sons of Jacob. The land was given to Abraham to be passed down to Isaac and to Jacob. When Joshua came and conquered the land, and they reestablished the land, he divided up the land into these tribes. And these tribes, of course, this was handed down through Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Joshua knew the instruction. And these are the, tw uh, the twelve tribes of the nation of Israel. 
And during that time, they ruled these areas, these tribes. Uh, they, they had leadership. They were organized. And these tribes made up the nation of Israel. And they were all of one kind. They were all of one kin. Read those verses for me. Y'all listen. Brother Allen, Revelation 7. Revelation 7. So she reads these verses, and he literally renamed Jacob to Israel. And he said, Israel, I'm going to give you this land that will go to your sons. You see, it passed down from Abraham to Isaac, Isaac to Jacob. And through those uh, two men, through those two sons, there was arguments of who got the promise. You remember Isaac and Ishmael. You remember Jacob and Esau. Why did those receive the promise? Because that's who God chose to pass down that inheritance. I want you to know that the Arabs today believe that it's their land because they are the descendants of Ishmael. Ishmael did not receive the promise. Isaac received the promise. And Isaac received that promise. He passed it down to Jacob. And Jacob passed it down to his 12 boys. And here's his 12 boys. And so many times in our mind today that we lose sight of these 12 tribes of the nation of Israel. And we think that they play no part in today's society. I want you to know that they still play a major role in today's policy and today's prophecy. I want you to read there in Revelation 7 verse 4 through 8. Y'all listen to this. So 144,000 were sealed. Was that Jehovah Witness? I'm, I'm being serious. They believe that. He specifically calls out 12 tribes that will make up that faithful remnant, 144,000. Now, we're speaking of a people, but we're also speaking of a place because their names, their names not only speak of a people, but it speak of a place. When you think of the 12 tribes of Israel, you go back to the 12 tribes and the property that those tribes inherited. And my question is, how did they know which tribe they were from if they weren't dwelling in the land that they were in the tribe of? And so, during the tribulation time, there will be 144,000 called out to make up that remnant 
that will bring God honor and glory. And I want you to know that shows me that God's not done with Israel, okay? That shows me that Israel plays a major part, not just the people, but the place. When he calls out the 12 tribes, yes, he's speaking of people, but he's speaking of a people from a particular place, from a particular piece of property. And we see these 12 tribes plays a major role in the tribulation time. That means that these 12 tribes will play a major role in prophecy to come. Just something to put in your minds. Now go to the next one. Modern day Israel, go to the next map. This is what Israel possessed today. We looked at the map, and we see how they're supposed to have way up here. We see how they're supposed to have all of this land. This is the country of Jordan today. This is Lebanon. This is Syria. This is Egypt. That's the Gaza Strip. That's West Bank. That's the Golden Heights. The nation of Israel has possessed this land. In 1948, I want to get the date to you. It was on May 14, 1948. The nation of Israel declared to be a country again. They came back to declare as a nation. They came back to that piece of property that God gave them all them thousands of years ago, and they claimed that property, and they claimed to be a nation. The, uh, the declaration that was made, uh, the treaty that they made, did not have the border specified within that treaty. The very next day after they signed in 1948, uh, Egypt, and I believe it was Syria and Jordan, and all these countries began to just bomb Israel over and over and over and they began to try to fight them back out and through all of that this little 400,000 people that came and dwelled in Israel to declare themselves a country God protected and through those wars that was trying to get Israel out Israel began to expand its borders and they began to take over property when all of these nations were ganging up on them they began to expand the West Bank here the Gaza Strip the West Bank this is land that the Palestinians dwell in, okay? The Palestinians have no country anymore. They are people without uh, a passport, and people without a passport is somebody without a country. And I want you to know that they're without a country, and they dwell right here. And this Golan Heights, this is some land that now Israel has. This borders Syria. This borders Lebanon. There's not a hotter place in the world than right here in Lebanon and right there in Syria. But the truth of it is, if we have to reestablish back to what it was during uh, the reign of King David, guess what they're going to have to do? They're going to have to expand. And well, guess what they're going to have to do? They're going to have to take over all of Jerusalem. They don't have all of Jerusalem right now. But one day they're going to get it, okay? One day it's coming. But in this, they've conquered all these borders. And so at one time, he gave it to Abraham, all these borders were way out here. Then it started shrinking because of their disobedience. And because of their rebellion, it shrunk down to absolutely nothing. God scattered them upon the face of the earth for 2,000 years. He regathered them, and he brought them back to this place. Right now, there's a little over 6 million Jews dwelling in the land of Israel. Every king, every dictator in the world has tried to destroy the seed of Abraham, and they couldn't do it. God's brought them back to this special place. Because this is the place that God promised all of those years ago. He promised His people a place. And I want you to know if God makes a promise, He will keep His promise. And I want you to know that God promised me a place. 
And that place is called heaven. And as I look at what he's done for the nation of Israel and how he's kept this promise over this piece of property and over this land and preserved this land for all of those thousands of years, I believe he can preserve heaven for me. I believe exactly what the Word says. If you believe in God, believe also in me and my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you, I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go prepare a place for you, I will come again. Where is he coming back to? Right there to that star. Right there to that star. And he's going to reestablish the new Jerusalem. Oh, man. What precious promise we have within the Word of God tonight. And I hope and pray that this has blessed your heart as it blessed mine. And as we go through this study, a lot of these things should simply remind us that God is a God of His Word. And all of these things that are being fulfilled were promises made thousands of years ago. God is a God of His Word tonight. And if He promised those people a place, and He kept good on His Word... Friend, he promised us a place. And I believe he will make good on his word tonight. I know heaven is a real place. I know it's real. I want you to stand. We're just going to play softly tonight.